We're starting a new series called Fresh, and this morning I want to share a message called Fresh Start, and I'm reminded of a, a, a pastor, a fellow pastor of mine, <clears throat> that um, his name was Roy. What a great name for a pastor, Roy. Roy Radcliffe was his name, and Roy pastored at the time in a church in central Wisconsin, a uh, town called Portage, Wisconsin, about an hour north of where I lived when I grew up uh, in Janesville. And uh, Pastor Roy would, one of the, the ministries that God had given him was to visit the local prison there in Portage. And Pastor Roy uh, would go and he would share Jesus Christ with inmates, not unlike, Mark, what you do here uh, in Marquette at, at the, the prison here. And, and um, he would share the gospel of Christ with them. And if they would respond and accept Christ, uh, they would get discipled, uh, they would get baptized. Um, and God really transformed lives, in particular, he recalls there was one of the prisoners whose name was Jeff that, uh, that God really did a work in his life. And, and Pastor Roy really believed that if God can give Jeff a fresh start, God can give anyone a fresh start because Jeff had lived that kind of life. And today I believe that God can give every one of us a fresh start. And I believe that some of you already know, you already have a sense of where you desire that fresh start in your life. Just as Marie and the team have led us in worship and the Holy Spirit has been working, you already sense that mountain that's been standing in your way and that you desire that God would give you a victory in your life, a fresh start. And this morning, as I talk about this fresh start, I don't want you to get locked into just one area because if you're locked into one area and you say, well, that's really not my life, then, then really there's no application. But this morning, that fresh start, maybe it's in the area of your marriage. Maybe you feel like, man, this, this mountain in my marriage is so huge that, that I just don't, I don't see any way around it. Maybe for you, it is something related to your health or the health of a family member that is so significant <clears throat> that you're, you're really beginning to lose all sense of hope, all sense that God can or will move in that circumstance. Maybe it's financial for you. Maybe there's, there's just a financial mountain that you are dealing with and you, you just... You, you know you can't get through it on your own and it seems like God is really not listening. And so the idea of a fresh start is like so impossible to you. Maybe it, it could be an addiction in your life that is so strong and has held you bound for so long and you think, I don't know if God really has the ability to set me free. Maybe it's a relationship with, with a, a child, those of you that have children. And that relationship is so broken and so dysfunctional and you just don't know if there's any possibility. I want you to know, friends, that today I believe God has a fresh start for you. So you might ask, what does a fresh start really look like? Well, we're going to go through that and I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm just going to be open with you. You're not going to like the first one, okay? But number one is take responsibility, you know, as soon as we open up the scriptures 
And, 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 and if we start in the beginning, which if it's the first time you've ever done it, probably don't start right at the beginning. But if you start in Genesis and you read the story of creation, what happened there in the Garden of Eden, God had created Adam and he had created Eve. And in the, the Bible says that in the cool of the day, God would come and he would visit with them in the garden. And they had this special relationship And one day God comes to the garden to visit Adam and Eve and he can't find them. And God is, maybe he's faking it, but he seems perplexed that he doesn't know uh, where they are. And so the scripture says that God calls out, this is so funny, God asks a question he already knows the answer to. God asks the question, he said, Adam, where are you? And literally, there's a voice coming from the bushes. And the voice is Adam's voice. And Adam says, I'm hiding. And God says to Adam, Adam, why are you hiding? And Adam's response is, because we're naked. And God says, who told you you were naked? This is not a conversation that had come up at this point. And so because of Adam's sin, we look at something happening here that has not happened before. And I want to read you from Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. The man said, this is Adam now, look at this. The woman you put me here with. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. What is Adam doing? Adam's doing what we all do, okay? But Adam's not very smart about it. He is blaming, first of all, his wife Eve, the woman that you gave me. He is literally, I can see him stepping away from her. You, she's the one you, and, and, and in fact, Lord, you gave her to me. So really it's your fault. So not only is he blaming his wife, he's blaming God. I mean, he gets a huge star for being an overachiever when it comes to blaming, but he is blaming God for his sin. He had no desire to take responsibility for his own sin. Author Richard Bach says this. He said, if it's never our fault, we can't take responsibility for it. If we can't take responsibility for it, we'll always be its victim. We've got to take responsibility We've got to take honest ownership of our stuff. Anybody here have stuff? Anybody? About two of you. Yeah, then, okay, a couple of you were shamed into it then. We all, whether you want to admit it or not, you've got stuff, okay? Stuff. And stuff is a really pleasant way of saying it. You've got stuff, okay? And we think or we live under this like this fantasy that God doesn't know my stuff or God doesn't see my stuff. Friends, let me tell you something. God loves you in spite of your stuff. Your stuff and my stuff, it's ugly. 
It's nasty. And yet he loves us anyway. He sees it, he knows us. Look at this, Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. God sees you in the midst of your stuff. God sees me in the midst of my stuff. You're like, I can't, the, the pastor's got stuff? Yes, every one of us has stuff. And he sees us in the middle of it all. Look at Romans chapter 12, or 14, verse 12. So then each of us must give an account. That is a Greek word for stuff. We've been talking about stuff, account, stuff. We must give an account for our stuff. We, each of us will give an account for of ourselves to God. We, one day we're going to stand before God and we will give an account for all of our stuff. All the stuff in our lives that we think has been hidden, that we think no one really knows about. The scripture says we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of that stuff. So we can't fool God. He knows the truth. He already knows our stuff. One day we're going to give an account of our stuff to him. Why not just take responsibility for it now? Why not just be honest with ourselves and honest with our God and say, God, here's my stuff. Not in a, not in a, a proud way, but, but an honest and open way and say, God, you see my stuff. I've got my stuff. I'm going to take responsibility for it. In order for you and I, in order for us to get a fresh start, we need to own up to our stuff. That's where it all starts. That's step number one. <clears throat> step number two, we can't earn it. Jesus, <clears throat> I want you to remember, he was tried and sentenced and convicted and executed alongside two other prison, prisoners. <clears throat> they were on each side of him. One of them said, oh, you know, if you're really the Messiah, just come down off of that, cry, that, that cross. And the guy mocked Jesus. The other one, the other one took a different approach and he defended Jesus. And he even said, you know, this guy hasn't done anything wrong. And then he turns to Jesus. And here's what he said in Luke chapter 23, verses 42 and 43. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. What Jesus is saying there, <clears throat> you're going to be in heaven with me. So this guy's hanging on the cross and he, he, there's literally nothing he can do. He cannot go out and attend a church service. He cannot <clears throat> take communion. Can't do it. He can't uh, get baptized. We're going we're gonna to have a baptismal service in two weeks. If you have never followed the Lord in baptism, I just want to encourage you. Uh, you can do it with a, or let us know either with a connect card or you can register online uh, on the church website. But, but we're going to baptize people in two weeks. This guy could not, and, and, and when I say this, baptism doesn't save. But he couldn't do it. He could not get baptized. I want you to realize that there, he could not serve on Thursday at Feeding America. 
He couldn't do it. He couldn't give anything. He could not uh, become, become a member of a church. He couldn't do anything that you would consider to be a good work. He couldn't even bow his knee to Jesus because his feet were nailed to the cross just like Jesus' feet were. He could do absolutely nothing. And yet, what does Jesus say? Today, you will be with me in paradise. All he said was, remember me. That's all he said. I've got one right here. Thank you. I'm getting the cue. I must need it. Take a drink here. Sorry, my voice is kind of trash today. He couldn't do anything. We can't do anything to earn a fresh start. Paul says to Titus in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, the first part of it. It says, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. You know, the Bible says that, that it's only God's mercy that lets us live. He could wipe us off the face of the earth for our sin. It's only his mercy that allows us to live every single day. And his fresh start that I've been talking about, that fresh start that you desire, it's only because of God's mercy. There's nothing that we can do to earn that fresh start. It's only because of his mercy. Number three, and, we, and, and by the way, we just got to accept it. We just got to say, okay, God, and, and you, his fresh start may look different for you than you would want your fresh start. How many of you would just like to be able to say, God, I, I'd really like you to do it this way? Anybody ever think that before? You know what? <laughs> I got news for you. It ain't happening your way. It's going to happen his way. Number three, no exclusions apply. Um, Do you ever listen to a commercial or see an ad and you're like, oh, wow, I am really interested in that. And then you listen to the whole ad or you read the whole ad and you get to the bottom and there's a fine print and it says some exclusions apply. You ever ever read that? And then you read what the exclusions are and it's everything I was interested in. That ticks me off so bad. Because I got all interested in this ad, and then I realized that it's all excluded. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus was passing through Jericho, which was a city not extremely far from Jerusalem. And that day, the crowds were huge. They were following Jesus. They were, it was literally just, just crowds and crowds of people wanted to be around him. They wanted to listen to him. And there was a man who lived in Jericho that, uh, that had a very bad reputation. And his, his name was Zacchaeus, if you've never heard that name before. If you grew up in Sunday school, you probably uh, read that name uh, or heard that name told in stories. But Zacchaeus wanted to listen to Jesus. And so he put himself in a position, he happened to have to climb a tree to be able to do it. But let me tell you a little bit about this guy, Zacchaeus. It says he was a wealthy chief tax collector. That tells us three different things. One of those is that he was a tax collector. When you look at, uh, when, you, when you study that phrase, chief tax collector. And anybody here who's ever been a farmer, please forgive me because this, this, I, I love farmers. 
It means he was a tax farmer. He was looking for ways to grow the tax base for the Roman government. And he himself was a Jewish man. And of course, Rome had occupied Israel. And so this guy went to work for the Romans to collect taxes from his countrymen. And the way that they would do it, the agreement that he had with Rome was you collect this much for us, collect this much for your pay. But then there were the, the entrepreneurial people that realized we can charge more and we can become wealthy. And it says he was a chief tax collector, which means that he had other tax collectors working for him. This was like the ultimate pyramid scheme. You're going to collect taxes, and I'm going to get a cut. You're going to collect taxes, and I'm going to get a cut. And you're going to collect taxes, and I'm going to get a cut. And so on, and so on, and so on. This was a despicable man, and people in society hated them. Hated them. And he wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus stopped at his tree. And this was something that for Jesus to associate with him in any way was seen as completely despicable by society. And what does Jesus say in Luke 19, 9? Today, salvation has come to this house. You know, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Today, today can be a day of a fresh start for you that God has for you. Today, it doesn't matter. You say, but you don't know the things that I've done. You don't know how despicable those things would be to society if they knew them. I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. I'm reading from the message. It says, anyone united with the Messiah. That means anyone. Anyone. Remember our ad? Remember our ad for, accept, for the, the exclusions? Anyone. There are no exclusions. Anyone united with the Messiah gets what? A fresh start. Is created new. The old life is gone, a new life emerges. So anyone united with the Messiah, no exclusions. You say, but Kevin, you don't know what I've done. You're right. I don't. One day I sat uh, in, in a, a county jail, Mark. I, w I was on this side of the glass, not that side of the glass. I went to visit somebody and I, I talked with him about forgiveness and he said, you don't know the things that I've done. I can never be forgiven. And friends, our God is a God of the fresh start. He is the God of the fresh start. You might believe that what you've done is so despicable that God would not forgive it, but I want to tell you something. The Bible does not support what you think. It does not support it. Number four, <clears throat> timing is everything. This week I was thinking about the differences between coincidences and miracles. People, uh, a lot of times, they like to talk, wow, that is such a coincidence. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I don't really, I'd say I don't believe in coincidences. 
Um, and the difference between a coincidence and a miracle is a coincidence you just believe that, that it's random. And a miracle is that God is at work and God is a God of, the, of perfect timing. God knows when something needs to happen and he can make that happen. We read about this in 1 Kings chapter 17. The prophet Elijah had come to town and there was a widow and, and he runs into this widow and she's must be somewhere out in the bush a little bit because she's collecting sticks. So she's not in town. She's collecting sticks and he asks her a question. Now, I, I think that some of this was the, the prophet of God would come to town and, and, and they would just ask for their needs to be met. And he asks her if she'll get him a drink of water. And she's out there collecting, fi basically it's firewood. And he, and he says to her, as she said, okay, I'll go get you a drink. He said, and by the way, would you, would you make me some bread? That's an unusual request to us, but it's get me something to eat. And her answer to the prophet was simply, no, I can't. I can't get you something to eat because the firewood that I'm gathering, I'm gathering it so I can take the last little bit of flour that I have and mix it with the last bit of oil that I have, make some bread for my two sons and I to eat our last meal, and then we are going to die. And this merciful, gracious, loving prophet of God says, that's all right, make mine first. <laughs> Just make mine first, you know. It's gonna be all right, make mine first. And something in this woman, I don't know what it was, but something rose up inside of her and she said, okay, I'm gonna do it. So she goes to her storage bin and she pulls out the little bit of flour that she has and she takes the oil and she pours the little bit of oil that she has and she makes bread for the prophet. And here's what the prophet has said to her. From 1 Kings 17, verse 14, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. This was the day that she was going to make her last meal. And so after she made Elijah's meal, she goes back and she finds there's still a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And the next day, there's still a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. Friends, God knows the very day that you're planning on giving up. Did you know that? The very day that you say, God, I can't do it anymore. You throw your hands up and you want to say, I quit. Psalm 145, verse 14, from the message, God gives a hand to those who are down on their luck. And here's what I want you to see. He gives a fresh start to those who are ready to quit. God knows how desperate you feel. How many times, those of you that have been married, have you said, you know what, today I'm quitting on my spouse. And God speaks. 
and God reminds you that he is the God of the fresh start. How many times have you gone to the cupboard and you said, man, we don't, we don't have enough groceries. We are not going to make it through this week. And God comes through. God is the God of the fresh start. Are you ready? Are you ready to receive it? Number five, here's some good news. The future looks bright. Anybody here guilty of seeing the negative? Anybody at all? No, absolutely nobody negative here. Okay, finally a couple of you. Thank you. Yeah, you know what? The, problem, the reason you didn't raise your hand is you are already looking at what I asked you negatively. <laughs> You're like, he's going to trick me. I'm not trying to trick. I'm just asking you. So we, we tend, I think all of us, not just some of us, I believe we all look at our circumstances and we have a negative approach. We have a negative outlook on it. We do that. This was true of a woman named Naomi in scripture. And Naomi, uh, where she lived, she lived in the city of Bethlehem, the same city where Jesus was born. And there was uh, foreign raiders that would come into their community and destroyed their crops, stole their food, and there was a famine as a result of it. So people were leaving Israel and going to other countries to survive. And her husband... Elimelech said, you know what, Naomi, we're going to go. They packed up their two boys and they went. And they went to another country. And while they were there, they found wives for their sons. But their, the husband, Elimelech, and the sons both died. Now, if you know anything about the, the history of the Far East, women did not have a lot of value. And so here you have a widow with two daughter-in-laws who are also widows. Who's going to provide for them? And the answer culturally was no one. So they decided to pack up and go back to Bethlehem. One daughter-in-law stayed with her people. The other one, Ruth, came with her. And when they got there, when they got back to Bethlehem and people saw Naomi, they wondered, is that really Naomi? She looks different. She doesn't really look the same. Let me read to you what Naomi said in Ruth chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life bitter, very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. That word bitter, it means sorrowful or full of grief. Among other circumstances, she blamed God. You might be blaming God in your life right now. There might be bitterness in your heart because you blame God for something that has happened in your life. Maybe it happened when you were a child. Maybe it happened when you were a young person. Maybe it happened to you last week, but you are blaming God. You have a bitter heart because of it. But I want you to know that that's not the end of the story for Naomi. Even though she saw God as the source of her sorrow and grief, she couldn't even imagine the situation getting any better at all. She and her daughter-in-law had no one to provide for them. And God provided a miracle. I won't go into the details of it, but God provided a family member, one of Naomi's family member who wound up marrying her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And the women of that community 
recognized that God's blessing was on Naomi because of this daughter-in-law who married this family member and gave birth to a son. And in that culture, giving birth to a son was a sign of God's blessing. And, and they, these women of the community, they said, it's like God, better than seven sons. This is so fantastic. God answered her need and God turned her future around. You might be bitter toward God, but I want you to know the prophet Joel says this. It's so great. Chapter two, verse 25, God says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten away. You know what? It may seem dark. It may seem like there's no hope, but God has promised that he is able to create a fresh start in your life. And all that you feel has been destroyed, God can renew. I believe God's got your fresh start for you today. I'm going to invite you to stand with me all across this place. Let's stand together as we close our service. We're going to sing that song that we sang earlier. And as we do that, I want to remind you of something that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 1.30. Again, it's in the message. He said, everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate, and a fresh start comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. You might ask me, Kevin, how are you so confident? How are you so confident that, that God can have a fresh start for my life? You don't know me. You remember Pastor Roy from Portage, Wisconsin? Well, Pastor Roy, as he ministered there in the prison, the guy that he ministered to whose life was so transformed, whose name was Jeff, was serving 15 consecutive life sentences. His name was Jeffrey Dahmer. And if God can bring a fresh start for Jeffrey Dahmer, God can bring a fresh start in my life or in your life. No matter what we've gone through, no matter what's happening in our circumstance, God is a God of the fresh start. So this morning, I believe that the Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you and you already have an idea of where that fresh start should really be in your life. And so as the worship team sings this song, I'm gonna invite you to come to what we call the altar, the front of the the sanctuary here. And I'm gonna invite you to just stand and what you're doing is you're saying, God, create a fresh start in me. Own up, take responsibility but realize that God has the ability and the desire to create a fresh start in your life. And I want you to come. Nobody's going to ask you what it is. You know it and you know it alone. And as they play, as they sing, as we worship together, if that's you, if that's your prayer, if you desire a fresh start today, I want you to step out from where you are and I want you to line across the front and we're just going to let God do a great work. You come as they lead us. Father, we thank you for the power of God that is present in this place right now. And Father, we desire a fresh start. 
I'm going to ask you to do something with me, all of us together in this room. I want us to pray together. And so I'm going to ask you just to repeat after me. And I want you to verbalize it. And I want you to make it from your heart today. Dear Heavenly Father, I need a fresh start. I take responsibility for my stuff. I know that I can't earn a fresh start. But I believe that you have the power and the ability to create a fresh start in my life. Whether it's a relationship, come on, whether it's a relationship or it's money or it's finances or it's addiction or it's family, no matter what it is, I believe you have a fresh start for me. So I accept that fresh start today. I believe that that mountain is going to be gone. God, I trust you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you right now. I pray over these folks that are here. And I pray, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit to rest on them today. God, as they literally open themselves up, Lord, to that fresh start that you have for them today. Father, I pray, may they see the power of God evident in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.